You're listening to the Couch Fire Podcast. I'm the host, Kevin Billingsley, firefighter engineer here at Couch Fire. And today I'm speaking with Captain Kevin Salyer. Captain Salyer, thanks for coming by today. Thank you so much for having me today. Absolutely. Now, what we're trying to do is introduce our members to the community and offer an education to the community and value to the fire service. And today, what I'm wanting to concentrate on is where you got your start in the fire service. Like, not not when you first joined Couch Fire, but before that, before you were on the, the fire department, what made you want to be a fireman? Oh, let's see. My dad was on the fire department my whole life growing up. Uh, he actually would have joined the fire department uh, probably a year and a half or so before I was born. So for me growing up, it was a way of life. It, it was not a surprise to have dad leave the kitchen table, to have dad get up in the middle of, not maybe, maybe not a birthday party, but Christmas or Christmas Eve or something. It, it, it was what it was, and dad was going to help somebody. So you kind of grew up with that mindset. When I got a little older and understood it a little better, it wasn't necessarily on the top of my mind and, and something that I wanted to do right away. I turned 18 and, and took some time thinking about it. I was probably 18 and six months or so, so about six months after I could have applied before I really talked to my dad about it, sat down one night and, and said, what's it all about? You know, What am I not seeing on my side that you can offer me from, from the insider standpoint to help me make a decision whether or not I want to get into it? Now, where, where was your dad a fireman at? My dad was a fireman here on Couts. Okay. Uh, he actually was served about six months in La Crosse, uh, the town just to the east of us, and then joined here in uh, probably either 1981 or 1982, and I was born in, in 1982. So he served here, uh, I want to say he was right around 30 years before he retired as an assistant chief with Couts. There's a lot of history as far as, yeah, my dad did this, or my uncle did this, you know, and, and we're starting to see that the fire service is more than just a sense of community. It's also a sense of tradition in the family. Absolutely. I mean, you, just like any other aspect of life, sometimes you have somebody that, hey, my dad was a union carpenter, so I got into it and I, you know, I proceeded to go that direction. As you're growing up, you, I think everybody, hopefully, has the opportunity to look up to their dad and offer that kind of insight. So when your dad's a fireman, it's just something that by nature you tend to want to do right might be the same for a police officer his son you know probably has a stronger potential to be a, a future policeman yeah and now you've you've done quite a bit in the community and like i said here at, at couch fire you are a captain i mean i know you've gone through the ranks you've also you're also serving as the president of the executive board for couch fire correct now you're also a Huge in the community. I mean, you have a lot of community work. I mean, you you coach. You coach baseball, you know. What else do you do in the community that uh, people may or may not know about? I do work right here in the community. I uh, work local. work for a, a company called Timber Tech Engineering. I've uh, been with them for quite a few years. Started with them when I was in college. So I'm looking at 18 years that I've been with Timber Tech now. So it's a local business that tries to help support local. We sponsor the t-ball teams and baseball teams and sports teams at school and things like that. I go to church here locally, uh, involved there in, in church, also employed there on a part-time basis as custodian. I've uh, been there for about five years now. And then I'm also currently an elected town board member, uh, one of five for our town. And that I served uh, for about eight years on that. And then I had uh, about a year and a half time frame where I was off of that due to a state 
law that was passed that you couldn't serve in capacity of town board and fire department. Uh, that law has since been revised to allow volunteer firemen to serve on town boards again, and I was reelected to that position. And so I'm about 13 years since I started on town board. I've got about 11 and a half or 12 years in total time of, of doing that position. Now, you grew up in Couch, right? Yeah, born and raised here in town. So you went to school here. You, you've seen the changes at the school. You've seen changes in the town. Mm-hmm. You've seen changes in the department because even as a young man, you, you were somewhat involved, even though you were too young to serve on the department. You were here hanging out with dad or, or yeah. whatnot. So you've yeah. seen you've seen quite a bit. What would be one of the biggest changes either in town, on the fire department, in the community? What's some of the biggest changes you've seen in, in your lifespan as far as being a young man through the fire service or just your time serving the community? Uh, in town here, the, the town itself has definitely grown. From the time I was little, uh, you know, from when I can remember, say, middle school or, or younger, uh, we've had quite a few subdivisions go into town. We've got a lot of residents that have been added. So I, I couldn't tell you the numbers for sure, but I know that our residence count has gone up. The grade school has probably stayed about the same number of students, but I would guess that's probably based on the fact that families are having fewer kids now than what they did 20 or 30 years ago. The fact that the school population has stayed the same is a, ju- a justification that the population of the town is, as a whole has increased. Um, so we've had a lot of new construction over the years. You know, It kind of goes in waves like anywhere else. Here on the fire department side, uh, we've had, in, in my time, we've had a, a big influx of new equipment, uh, whether it's uh, apparatus, responding apparatus, to some of the smaller equipment that m- people may not think about every day, but it's it's been upgraded, it's been new, it's new technology maybe from, from years ago, whether when I started or prior to my time. So we always try to kind of be on that cutting edge of that technology and that equipment that is offered to the fire service. So you are the lead, I would say, in my opinion, as far as doing fire prevention and reach out with the kids in the elementary. And here's a little soundbite from that. Things we touched on today. What's the number we dial in case of an emergency? Ah, you know what? You guys did good, but I think you can do better. How about if we hear that again a little bit louder? What's that number we dial? love that. Thank you guys very much. So what's one of the main things that you want to teach the kids as far as fire prevention? I would say my number one goal when I look at fire prevention with the, the kids of the local community is to not be scared of a fireman. Parents can do a good job of teaching dial 911. Right. They can do a good job of don't play with matches, be afraid of fire. They can't help teach a child to not be scared of a fireman when they're there to assist them. I mean, I'm sure as a kid, when you, when you look at a fireman, it's like Darth Vader walking into their room with the mask and the sound of the air and them breathing and them talking, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So when we do the fire prevention classes, whether it's with the preschools uh, here in town, uh, we do fire prevention with the kindergarten class. Typically every fall, we do fire prevention with the Girl Scouts, the Boy Scouts, different community groups such as that. We really try to stress that the firemen that are here look like those children's moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, and we have the firemen talk to the children to let them understand and see that we we look just like them, we sound just like them, and on a day-to-day basis, we are them. It's We're community members just like everybody else, but then through the process of showing the equipment and showing what we're doing, we quote-unquote gear up and show them what everything looks like and what it does and what the purpose is. 
Um, we don't just put a pair of pants on to be fancy. We don't put a helmet on just to look cool. There's a purpose behind it. And we share that purpose with the children and let them see ultimately when we're geared up, what we look like, what we sound like, what they're going to encounter if we enter into a house to help them in potential fire or maybe a car accident, what they're going to see when we come to help them and to not be scared of us and to reach out to us and be willing to accept help from us in those situations when human nature would say be scared. Absolutely. And I know you also teach them 911 and, and, and saying call 911, but I, I've been able to watch you do it a few times. And you turn on a fire alarm, like a smoke detector, where the kids could actually hear what that smoke detector is and what it sounds like and to understand what it means or where they should go. And And not only that, you have a lot of parents there you know, sitting in the background watching and taking pictures and, and enjoying the kids participating in that. But they're also learning something too, to where you talk about have an evacuation point to know when you should call, who you should call, where to go. So it's, it's more educational, not just for the kids, but also for the parents that are in attendance. Yeah. Whether it's educational for the parents themselves or educational for them to be able to further the education of their child right? in terms of that fire prevention uh, information. Uh, we, I kind of had a, a whole program that I go through that has developed over the years uh, and been passed down to me. I can't take credit for the entire thing, but we go through a, a smoke detector and what it sounds like. Is it going to wake you up? As you said, we do activate it. We let them hear that. When we touch on that, then we touch on get out and stay out, have an egress plan, have a meeting place and what that means to a child. Uh, when we get to a, a residence, how we go and talk to the adults and say how many kids live here, how many are outside, you know, is everybody accounted for or are they not? And we discuss how unorganized and chaotic it can be if the the people do not go to that meeting place. And then we go on to talk about the get out and stay out and the dangers of going back in to try to retrieve that blanket or that that teddy bear. And we talk about those can be replaced. Mom and dad can go to the, the storm by new, um, but mom and dad can't go to the storm by new. Johnny, your Sally, your whatever their names are. And it's really cool because I, especially in a group, I try to find a child that maybe I know or I know their parents and I'll pull their name out and use their name. And the kids are just blown away by that a lot of times right. when they hear that because it's they, they connect with it. They see that you're connecting with them. So it's, it's pretty cool. Because I know there's been times where I've been in the gas station, you've been at the gas station, you know, pumping gas or whatever. And you'll hear a kid yell out, Firefighter Kevin. Now, my name is Kevin, too. <laughs> we share the same name, but they're not talking to me. They're talking to you because you're the one that they're seeing doing this fire prevention. So to them, you're Firefighter Kevin. You know, you're Fireman Kevin. You're you're like the face of this department to these kids. And, I, and like I talked with Chief, the future of the fire service, I don't care if it's volunteer like us or paid, like bigger towns or big, bigger cities, our future stands two foot tall or less without these kids that are growing up and learning and seeing firemen and seeing these trucks and understanding what we're doing. There's not going to be an interest. There's not going to be anybody here. So if there's nobody to respond, who will, you know, and yeah. I think that's part of the, the other side of what you're doing as far as outreach too, is you're showing these kids that we are, Moms and dads, we are the same people that you see at the gas station as you do inside that fire truck. We're we're nobody different. You know, we're the same type of people, you know. And I think that's cool. I think it's really cool. 
Yeah, I I try to work with that uh, through the the program that I offer uh, with the, the help of obviously the rest of the fire department. By no means is that fire prevention just on me. Uh, I have a lot of helpers that come in each year and, and help me do those programs when we do that. Like I said, we we try to do it not only for preschool, which would be you know four and five year olds, but all the way up through Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, which could be 10, 12, 13 years old. And then we transition ultimately into a career day later on that is the freshman class. And we have them come in here and we talk to them as well. So that's not so much a fire prevention class, but more a, a first look recruitment class for those individuals. That's who's going to be serving this community and helping these individuals five years down the road. You know, when those individuals are 12, 13, 14 years old, that's who's going to be the bread and butter of the fire service Absolutely. in five years. Yeah. And we we have it, well, through the MAC Center in Valpo and through grants and through help through the state and through the government and everybody else, we have opportunity to get them training, get them into an academy, have a cadet program, have vocational training through the school at the MAC Center, at the academy at the MAC Center. So we, we have an opportunity to send these young men and women at this point, once they're at that certain age, to get some top-notch training. And when they finish with it, they come here and they, how does that process work? Once they get through the vocational or get through to become a cadet here, what else is expected once they're here? Our current cadet program allows an individual that is 16 years of age uh, and enrolled in uh, an approved program to become a cadet member of our um, department or apply to be a cadet member of our department. Uh, That cadet member is given the opportunity to come in and partake in our trainings. They are allowed to partake in our business meetings uh, without a a vote. They're a non-voting member at that point. All cadet members have the potential to go on calls with us at chief's discretion based on their training levels and the comfort level. Um, Those cadets have all received approval prior from their parents to be part of the cadet program. That's part of our application process, as well as the the parent ultimately has the final say in that cadet. And if we see anything uh, such as grades that are suffering due to their participation, then the participation is limited in a, a joint session between the parents and the chief as to what they're allowed to do and what they can't do. First and foremost, grades have to be first. So we, we really stress that with the school. And that's at a cadet level. So that would be 16 and 17 years old. At the age of 18, you can apply for full membership with our department. At 18 years of age, you apply for membership. And if you have that firefighter one and two training already established, whether through the MAC or another resource such as that, you're basically ready to run on the department full time with everybody else. Uh, if you don't have that training at that point, then we work on setting you up with that training. Again, like you said, it's supplied and provided through the department and through the state level of training and, and get that training and get you ready to go so that you're ready, you know, you're top notch and you're ready to ride, ride a truck with the rest of the firemen. When I spoke to chief on the last episode, I asked him what he's looking for in someone that's wanting to join or to volunteer here at Couch Fire. Now you're a captain um, just like anybody else that comes in, everybody basically has a say, but you guys are the ones who do the interview process. You sit down with the individual, um, you check out their application. What is something that would stand out the most? And, and like I said, he's, he was looking for character in a person. He said, 
character more than anything to him was the most important. Do you share that thought or do you have uh, something else that you might look for in an individual when, whenever you're thinking of the application process or the interview? Character is, is very important. Uh, I myself, I like to focus a little bit on their communication skills, not necessarily just their verbal communication skills with us during the interview process, but many a times when we're setting up that interview, I will call an individual from the department phone so they see it on their caller ID that says Couch Fire Department. And I wait to see how long it takes them, A, to answer the phone, and B, to return a phone call if they're not available. Just like going to a job interview or applying for a new position somewhere, the fire department's no different than that. We have to be able to have communication. And if that individual can't return a phone call in a proper amount of time or can't let me know, hey, that date that we set up originally doesn't work out, that makes a difficult fit for me with the fire department. Uh, we have certain criteria here that we ask our members to be able to adhere to from a, a call standpoint, a training standpoint, number of times you're in the station for different activities. And communication is key because the officers are responsible for the guys underneath them. And you need to be able to communicate with your officer. Hey, I had something come up. Family came up tonight. I can't make it to the station. And everybody's understanding of that. But again, the key is that communication is letting letting your superior know there's very strong evidence of either their desire for communication or their lack of communication just right off the bat in setting up an interview time frame. And are they going to show, do they show up on time? What do they look like when they come in? It's definitely goes positive or negative towards their character. And when Chief was explaining to me about character, something that he looks for in person, he was referring to things like background check. You know, we, we can't have someone that is, I mean, to be quite honest, you don't want somebody that's been convicted of robbery, you know, 200 times coming into the station when we have a certain, we're, we're, hold, we're held to a certain standard, not just from the community, but also within the department and through the tradition of the fire service. We carry that character of those before us and after us. And with you, the communication is also, I guess you could tie the two together from character to communication, because if you're a person of good standing, you're going to be someone who cares and you're going to be someone that has a respect for what you're trying to do and trying to get into the fire services. You're with the community. You're trying to help. So being able to respond to a call and make a phone call back to your captain ties together real close. So we're volunteer. This this fire department is 100% volunteer. We're all here, but we also treat it as a job. We treat it as something that you have responsibility because you do. You have people's livelihood. You have pe the community's ability to be safe. Um, you, you're that person. So you have to be not only of good character, of good communication. You have to be trustworthy. And those all tie together in someone that you're wanting to have. You can't have drug charges a mile long and expect to be going into a house and helping someone or stealing all the time. You know, you've got good, good moral character, I guess, you know, it, to put those two together, I guess would, would be the. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it sounds crazy that you would think about a, somebody in our profession potentially stealing and I've never seen it or heard of it myself by any means. 
but yeah, you don't need somebody walking into a house to help on a medical call and and taking a swipe at something. And, and, right, and it, it sounds crazy. And that and that's what we look for. We we want to make sure that we have people that are like minded. We are the filter from people that are wanting to be a fireman because they think it's cool and the people that are wanting to be a fireman because they want to help the community. There's a lot of trust between this firehouse and our community and just about any firehouse and their community. There's a lot of trust and a high level of trust and a high level of moral standard that we try to keep with the community. And I guess through the application process, if you will, that's how we filter it out. So we, we have the brightest, we have the best, and we have the ones that are willing to be with this community the most. Yeah, and as you said, the, the community trusts us as Cal's Fire Department to provide the best service that we can in their time of need. And in return, they trust us to make the judgment call as to who's the best suited for that. And the membership has trusted the line officers and business officers that are heading up those interview processes to help make those decisions as to who may not be a good fit. Um, our application does ask for three personal references, and I call on those pretty much 100% of the time. It's very disappointing when an individual will fill out an application and they have somebody of the same last name as themselves. I don't hold that against them necessarily. I try to find out the reason behind that, especially if you have a younger individual, they may not know from school or whatever that a, a relative, whether it's a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, is not a great personal reference. They're not a great character reference necessarily. There's not too many parents or grandparents that are going to lie about their own kid and, and say something that they did bad. They're typically going to sugarcoat it, if you will. But I like to hear from bosses. I like to hear from previous bosses, believe it or not. Um, that previous boss, while they are an ex-employer, there may have been a very good reason why it wasn't a good fit. And my question to them is, would you hire him again? I would say that answer has to be yes. And if they've got a no, that's a big red flag to me, whatever the reason might be. One of the cool things is, is just about every one of the members, I would say a high percentage of our members here on Couch Fire, be it from the, the newest member all the way up to the longest served member that we, contend, we have right now on the, at the firehouse, most of them, they went to this school. They know the teachers. So for us, if we have someone come in that's been a, a resident of the town or is a, a, a kid that's going through the cadet program or wanting to go through vocational, we have those connections with the school. We have those connections through the businesses. We can kind of get an understanding of what this individual, who this individual is when they want to apply. Now, not by no means is it that difficult to do. We're, we're just saying that come in and apply, there is certain standards. That's all there is. There's certain standards and there's certain things that you have to uphold in yourself and in the community. And that's what's expected. Yeah. For those listeners that may be younger, um, you, you may find it funny today to post something on your social media or your Facebook and think it'll never affect me. My my employer down the road will never find it. My My boss now will never find it. It'll never affect my ability to get a job. I can tell you right now, a couple of our officers that are in charge of these interviews are very tech savvy and are very social media friendly. And that's the first thing they do is they'll go out and Facebook stalk somebody. There may not be a single person here in the department that knows who you are, but when you put an application in, it's got your first and last name. And that's all we need to be able to find you on social media. And if you've got 
pictures that we feel are not a good representation of Cout's fire. Uh, it definitely does not help your cause. I don't want to say it's going to keep you from being on Cout's fire, but it'd be the same as a job. It, you have to reflect positively on yourself first to be able to positively reflect what Cout's fire is all about. The same way you have to be able to positively reflect about what your employer is about down the road. Um, so I would highly suggest those individuals that are, you know might be teenagers, might be getting into the job force for the first time or looking to get into the fire service with us or with somebody else. Just think twice before you post something. Is it something your parents would want to see? If not, it's probably not a wise post. Now, we, we've talked quite a bit about how to get on Couch Fire, the application process, what's expected just to basically be on Couch Fire. The training, we'll get that taken care of. The, the ability to come into the station and to know and to meet everybody and be accepted into the family. I call this a family. This isn't just a bunch of friends. We're a family here at Couch Fire. And to be accepted is a, a pretty big thing for us. We work around work schedules. We work around a lot of things to be able to have people here to volunteer. But some of those things that we can't correct are your morals, is how you feel about certain things, and how you portray yourself. If you're not willing to change how you portray yourself, it may not be a good fit. But it's a real easy process. We, we're not that judgmental. You know, we're not, I mean, everybody grows up. Everybody has issues. I mean, we've all been kids. We've all done some crazy things that we're not going to get to on here because, I mean, my family and my daughter, your family and your your kids, <laughs> everybody's going to be listening to this. Hopefully, hey, yep, you know, uh, put a big shout out to the family there. But you know what I mean. So we understand those things. It's not that big of a deal. We can get past a lot. It's more or less what you've proven to the community through your police record, if you will, and the things you've been convicted of that would probably hamper. Uh, your ability to serve here at Cow's Fire. Not that we don't look past some of those things. Every every case is handled differently. It just depends, you know. But you spend a lot of time here at the fire department being on the executive board and being a captain. You have a lot of responsibilities that goes above and beyond just what a regular fireman would experience. Doing that, like I, I spoke with Chief about, spending a lot of time here at the firehouse is something that we grew up learning, that we know it happens all the time. But for our families, it takes a lot for them as well to support, one, your time away from home, understanding that 2 o'clock in the morning you're going to zip out the door and go help someone, leave a baseball game, leave the dinner table. There's been times where we've had to get up from Thanksgiving or in the morning where the kids open in Christmas. We have to walk out the door and, and go help someone in need. So with that kind of support that we receive from the house, you know, I don't think we'd be able to do it without it. Absolutely not. I'll I'll say first and foremost, my wife is just as much of the team here at the fire station as the guys that, that put the gear on. Um, my, my kids, same way. They're part of the team. They, like me, grew up with it, so they're, they're used to it at this point, uh, just like your daughter is used to it. They just see it as a way of life. They're not surprised by it. We might be coming home from groceries and the family's together in the vehicle and we swing into the fire station. And we may stay here 20 minutes while dad's on a call. We may be here two hours. Or it may be mom takes the kids home and puts them to bed because dad's still doing what he's doing. And I get a ride home later on from somebody else. Um, so there's definitely a lot of accepting there. There's a lot of support there, both mentally, socially. Support from the spouse is necessary. And yeah, I've, I've got a great support structure personally. And I think 
most everybody here has that type of support structure outside of the department. But then we also have the support structure at the station for the things that happen in the family. This, this place is my second family, you know, here at the station. Yeah. And we, when I talk with Chief, it's funny that you brought up that, you know, guys have the support system here. Not only are we, you know, busting on each other, you know, we got to have that kind of fun, you know, or, or I'm going to make fun of you. You're going to make fun of me. You know, that's just what it's about. I mean, that's, that's just the way it is. We act it's like teenagers. Back and forth. Yeah, we, we act like teenagers a lot. <laughs> and we're, you know, 40s, 30s, 50s. And we got a couple guys that are 20s, you know, so we, we and get a couple to, 60s. <laughs> yes, they're very true. And, and we all get to hang out. We all get to have fun. But when it's serious, we have each other's back. But we also have Jay Perky. And Chief and I spoke quite a bit about him on the last episode. And to have him as one, the chaplain, to have him be able to come in and talk to us when needed. Um, it could be private. It could be open-ended you know um, he even comes in and chief even mentioned that that we actually hold like a small church service here once a month you know to give the guys that opportunity to, to speak and if there's any issues to work through them and that's why i refer to this firehouse as a family because this is a family this is we have our issues just like anybody else would you know well, that's my coffee whatever it is you know whatever it just the same things that you would experience at home with your family you can experience here. You'll, you go through those things, but we work through them. Yeah, absolutely. We, we have that family, like you said, in some of the fire preventions or, or more so the career day type setting that we have here. We talk about what a family this place is. And sometimes that's why an individual may need to look into getting into the fire service. Maybe they haven't really thought about it before or they've thought about helping people. But it's more so a, a sense of belonging, maybe, that they are seeking. And the family connection that you can make here is just amazing. Uh, I always tell everybody that's in here, uh, we, we joke, we laugh, we bust each other down, but we build each other back up. And the amount of time we spend together is just unbelievable. I would say everybody here in the station has probably spent Christmas with somebody else here from the station. You've spent Thanksgiving with people. My kids call people here, you know, aunt and uncle. That's just the way it is. They see it as a big extended family. You know, you've got uncle this one or uncle that one. And we, we go to each other's birthday parties for their kids. We we serve in each other's weddings. A lot of these guys here didn't know who each other were before we walked in the door. So we didn't have a common connection, whether it be through school or college or work or mutual friends even or an employer. Our common denominator it's Cal's fire. That's what brought us together. That's what keeps us together. And it's just a unbelievable bond that you share with everybody. What I, what I think is pretty neat is I told my daughter when I first joined, I served on another department years ago before my wife, before my kid and coming to Cal's, moved into Cal's and I joined Cal's fire. Well, it took me a little while to actually come to that front door because it's kind of intimidating you know you don't know anybody you don't really know what's happening but I did it and I'm glad I did because I've been here a little over two years and what I told my daughter was I said well I'm on the fire department now you've got like 27 uncles you know you've got this uh, safety net in in town with everybody that's here if you ever need any help these are houses you can go to you know what I mean so when we walk around town it's like well say hey this is where Salia works 
So when you're walking through town, if you need help, go here. This is where so-and-so lives. This is where so-and-so lives. So when they're out on their bicycle or when she's out walking with her friends, they have these places to go. And I think it's huge to be able to say that I trust somebody with my family as much as I do with myself. Yeah, and that goes, it goes both ways. That's funny you mention it like that. Uh, I've, I've told my kids the same thing. They walk past two or three firemen's houses on the way home every day after school. And I've always told them, hey, if something were to happen, whether it be the weather change or a stranger or something just doesn't feel right or you feel like you got somebody following you, you know, all those, those things that we teach our kids uh, when they're younger, those firemen's houses are safe havens. You can go talk to them. You can go to the knock on their door. You know, uh, I always tell my kids they're not allowed a ride home from anybody if that person's never been to my home or they're a fireman. Right. <laughs> That's always right. the other the other qualifier yep. uh, because I trust everybody here. So they've got that as as a safe, safe haven and as a, a safety net, like you said. But it's really funny because I also tell them while they have 27 uncles that are there to support them, they have 27 uncles that are going to tell me when they screw up too. Absolutely. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I had a, an instance here a couple months ago where my kids were uh, walking home from school and didn't want to walk on a sidewalk for some reason for a few days in a row. And uh, one of my fellow firemen decided to tell me this and, and brought it to my attention. And my kids were just astonished that I had eyes in the back of my head type thing. They go, who's watching us? Where are you hearing this from? And I said, it doesn't matter where I'm hearing it from. You just need to know that I'm watching you. And I, I gave him a firm lecture about walking on the sidewalk. And that day, I confirmed that they did walk on the sidewalk the, the next day. And I called them and I complimented them on it. And they, they knew that I knew. Right. They had followed my directions and they did what they needed to. What's funny is we talked about how we're ourselves, we, we hold ourselves and our members at a higher standard. And that trickles down to our family, to where our kids, well, it's, it goes even further than that. And even my daughter's friends, <laughs> they know, oh, I, the firemen in town, they, you know, they know everybody, you know what I mean? So my daughter, my daughter tells them, my dad's going to know what's going on. You know, <laughs> these guys know everybody in town. Everybody, they, they know, they, they know everybody, you know, and we do, we know most everyone. It holds our families to that higher standard too. And not only do we have that support system from our families? We have our families supporting other families to where if our wives have a problem, our wives have an issue or our kids have an issue, they have people that, one, understand what's happening because they're going through it too, but they have other people they can call and talk to just like it would be calling your best friend or your sister. It doesn't matter. Oh, this is whoever's wife. You know, they, they know. They know each other and they know what we're doing and why and they get it. And that support system is huge here at Cows Fire. And we have young guys. We have young guys that come in and they have bigger brothers now. You know, we're all old except for them. They're agile and they have the experience. They, where they lack in experience, they have us. You know, and where we lack in the ability to do certain things as fast as them, we have them. So it's all a trade-off. It's all a trade-off. Well, Kevin, I appreciate you spending time with me and supporting this podcast and introducing yourself to the community. I look forward to talking with you in the future on other topics. Thank you very much for having me tonight and allowing me to share just a little bit about what I'm about and how I got my start in fire service. Uh, it's been great speaking with you and look forward to being on your podcast in the future. You've been listening to the Cows Fire Podcast. This was episode two, where I sat down and interviewed Captain Kevin Salyer of the Cows Fire Department. 
If you want more information about the Couch Fire Department, head on over to couchfire.com and make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any episodes as they're released. We appreciate all the support. Make sure you tell your family and friends. Talk to you next time.